This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me, as always, he don't want no scabs, it's Mitch Doyle. G'day everybody. And standing at the front of the picket line with a baseball bat looking menacing, Stale Roots. Hello, I'm the Randall Cunningham of this podcast. <laughs> if there's a picket line, Dale Roots will be there. That's oh, all we know. The man, work is right. Known intimidator and unit organizer, Dale Roots. Which, which, <laughs> player, it, which player would be most likely to be leading the workers' party? Uh, Doing it for the workers. Well, who is, who's, who's an honest toiler? Who's a, who's a seriously honest toiler? I don't know. Well, my real answer is Cameron Smith. Yeah. Because he thinks to be about players' rights and workers' rights all the time. But yeah. that's not fun saying somebody's smart. <laughs> um, well, I mean, of, of times gone by, it would have had to have been John Lomax because, like, he was called at the Royal Commission into Trade Unions. So that's, that's a pretty that's good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bryce Cartwright has the entitlement to think that he should talk for the players. <laughs> good. A good one. Good uh, James Graham, I think, is the answer. He's from the north of England, Union-heavy town, St. Helens, and he's fairly articulate when he wants to be. I'd love that. Oh, and and in breaking news, uh, the uh, NRL Players Association has settled uh, with the governing body over the ongoing issue of concussions. James <laughs> yeah. Graham agreed to let the boys play. James Graham <laughs> has donated his mushed brain to science. <laughs> his, his squashed yoga cup head has been donated to the NRL. I'm not sure he'd be the best. I'm not sure he's the guy I'd want arguing player safety on my behalf. I don't no, know. Very true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we are only just over a week away from Rugby League's sweet embrace. And oh. I am very, very excited. Yeah, man. Can it just hurry up already? Like, I'm just sick of all of the. It, we really are in like the death throes of, of shit takes at this point. We are just, as you say, awaiting Footy's sweet, sweet, merciful embrace back into our, you know, loving the loving arms of our beloved sport so i just wish it'd hurry up seriously yeah i got the um the final draft of the rest of the season's draw today and that was like that's finally real to me i'm like it's literally back next week and i get to like watch this and enjoy this and i ignore terrible administrators decisions for terrible on-field decisions next week i can't wait I feel like the, the draft draw is kind of like, for you, would be kind of like the, the point in like early November or mid-November. I mean, listen, listener and friend of the podcast, Mary Kay, is big on this, but like when you start pulling out the Christmas card list and you start kind of like realizing that it's just around the corner and you've got to start squaring up and like making decisions on what you're going to buy your partner or your parents or your brothers and sisters and whatever, and you're kind of like, oh, shit, Christmas is like six weeks away. I need to... And just start organising. And yeah. as you say, we're only a week away from footy being back. And, you know, you've got your Christmas card list. So there you The go. worst part about it, mate, is like, I'm like, oh, my God, look who the Broncos have in round whatever, 17. And I can't tell anybody. Oh, man. I just have people at work who don't care. Yeah. <laughs> the Broncos have in round 17. Rugby league spook Mitch Doyle over here. <laughs> That's it. So I have to sit on a bloody embargo and wait. It's great. Speaking of embargoes, News. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redradra! Redradra's away! Simi Redradra! Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Redradra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it! Redradra! 
do we have uh, do we have any news? Has there has there anything happened in the last week? I can't I can't think of any any footy related news. I don't Anybody? want to talk about this news because it makes me sad. No, it is sad. Okay. Why, does it make, why does it make you sad? If you don't know what he's referring to, people, it's Greg Inglis has agreed to join the Warrington Wolves from next season. So next year, not this year. So it doesn't worry about the don't worry about the board or anything. But he's going over there next year. Not a marquee deal. Apparently not big money. But GI's back playing rugby league, and I'm bloody stoked. And is, so why does it upset you? Does, okay, does this, so just, I mean, just before it's, you go on, does this mean that? G.I. is going to play with Blake Austin? Yes, and Gareth Widdop. This could be the most stacked Super League team in the history of Hey, hey, League. hey, and J- and Jason Clark. Oh, true. <laughs> like, does Jack Mamo play for them as well? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He's at, like, Car- but, Castlefoot or something. G.I. will be the world's greatest decoy for that Blake Austin dummy and go. I was going to say, <laughs> imagine the size of the holes that he's going to run through in the, in the Super League defense. It's going to be, like, the size of six men strapped together. Mm. That's it. Uh, m- so maybe, sad, maybe sad's not the right word, but it is bittersweet in that you know this guy has meant so much to this to to Souths for the past decade, and it's and, and the bittersweet part comes in as the fact that as in his own words today, I mean, he said that he didn't really get to go out on his own the way he would have liked to go out with what happened in, in uh, last season, and. Now he gets a second chance at that. And obviously I'm sad that it's not for Souths, but I am very happy that he's found something in the rugby league world that can hopefully give him that sense of fulfillment that he didn't get when he was uh, forced off the field in the early parts of 2019. The other part that makes me sad is listening to the morons talk about how this is a big salary cap rort. This is the best part of it, isn't it though, mate? It's like firstly, and this is just the most rugby league thing ever, Instead of finding a way to enjoy it, rugby league fans found a way to get mad. And the first thing was per- the assumption that he was medically retired, which isn't true. He wasn't medically retired. <laughs> he even said his body was fit when he retired, if you go back and look at it. Just because you don't understand how he retired doesn't mean he medically retired. That's not part of it. And then secondly, thinking South got away with some great swindle when he signed for 2021 anyway, you know, it's still next year. And what happened? What did South benefit from last year? They got what? They brought in James Roberts, who's now in rehab, when they got him off the, or got his contract off. Again, the office South. Do we want GI or do we want not GI? The option is, oh, we'll take GI, and they haven't got that option. I, I said this. So one of my mates, who, who good bloke, but yeah, obviously you, you're kind of stereotypical sort of like Facebook fan, and was like messaging me this morning about, it, and I was like, mate, do you actually think that this was part of some great scam by Souths to? get rid of Greg Inglis and Sam Burgess so they can have money to sign Bryson Goodwin. And obviously, that's not the case. We can't rule it out. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, noting South's dealings, transfer dealings in the last, well, not so much decade, but recently, there have been a few questionable ones. But yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't... also... Like, GI is one of genuinely the, the best 10 players in... NRL history, like, come on. Like, even, like, a 60% GI is better than, like, you know, probably 50% of outside backs in the league. So, yeah. if, it's worth, if it's worth the risk, it was worth the risk. And, obviously, his body wasn't up to it, which was sad. But, yeah, like, come on. And the other thing, of course, is that he... I, I mean, I don't know what his exact salary was when he was playing, but I'd wager it was substantially bigger than the... 
amount he was getting in that off-field role. So basically, this scam only works in the future if players also agree to forego hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars voluntarily. So again, not really sure how this how this great setup would work, and I'm not really sure why people can't just shut the fuck up and enjoy the fact that the the, the great the most explosive player to ever play the game is going to give it one more one more ride, and he's going to do it in a league where he should just be able to take the piss and score 45 tries. Yeah, and, and what you say there, Bungard, as well, is like, even if it was some weird salary cap rort, by the way, GI was off contract this year anyway. So all they got was like, no GI for the last couple of years, replaced him with whatever, you know, maybe Roberts and the Trell or something might have replaced his salary, what was taken out of the cap. They left a bit in the cap for his off-field role. But then next year, he's starting somewhere else. Like, where's the rort? Like, <laughs> they didn't generate money from this, any extra room. Like, what, what's the rort? I don't get it. They have signed a player for like, yeah, as you say, like two seasons or whatever, and then he comes off contract and that not contract is a rot of the contract system? What? What? Yes, correct. Of course. But I mean, it it is, you know, you have to worry, as I said, everything Souths do, you have to question. They're one of the chosen clubs, mate. You know, it's them and the Storm and the Broncos and the Roosters. You've got to question it. You've got to look beyond the surface. Every club but mine. I do love that, by the way. Every club but mine. When did South suddenly become one of those clubs? It just happened to be when they started not coming last every year? Yeah. yeah, Re-inclusion, when they started winning games. And I I won't stand for it, Bungard. I hate hate seeing other teams win. That's what I really hate about footy. In a game where there has to be a winner, I hate winning. Yeah. (laughs) What I mean, yeah, it's never made any sense to me. South certainly don't have any of the power or the influences, any of the clubs that you just mentioned there. And nor have I can, nor can I point to sort of any examples of them getting preferential treatment, really, apart from out, apart from when Albert Clift rang the bell before the 2014 grand final. So if that's the worst thing they've done, then, you know, lock them up. I, I think care. that they should be docked points for the ringing of the bell, potentially a premiership. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't can't say I agree with you. But, um, <laughs> Controversial take, but potentially but, not agreed with. But I will accept the outcome of the independent review into the guy ringing the bell. <laughs> Thank you, Voltaire. And the um, so the interesting stuff about about this, though, for me, is more so, you know, the obviously the, the mental space he's been in when he retired and and where he's got to now, and obviously he misses the game now, and wants to play again, but doesn't want to take on the, the rigours of, of the NRL football. And the, and the choices he said he came down to were, were Warrington or Bush footy. So that's what I find interesting is that, you know, if, if that's his headspace, I'm interested to see if he's actually ready for the, the move to England and, and uprooting and, and going away from his family and friends and, and seeing if he's fully committed to that. That's that's interesting storyline for me. You know, if the, is, is that the right route for him to go down when he wants to return to footy? It's, we'll it's see. Good, but It's a good point also because, like, he was so young when he went to the Storm. And obviously, growing up in, you know, Inverell or, or Brisbane, where he was playing his junior footy, like, I mean, obviously, Melbourne is a significantly different, um, you know, it's a different climate and it's a different culture. It's a big city. It's not as, I guess, loose as Brisbane would be the way that I would describe it. But yeah, as you say, like, I mean, he's gone away from home before, where there's a, but there's a big difference, as you say, between moving to cold, wet Melbourne, where you're not really recognised on the street, to moving to cold, wet Warrington, where you're, well, you were the best rugby league player in the world for a number of years, and Warrington is like footy is all that Warrington, like rugby league is all that Warrington has. 
that area, you know, between Liverpool and Manchester, like he's going to be obviously a household name there. As you say, it will be interesting to see whether mentally he copes with being the guy, but a long way from home. Um, but the point about Bush footy, I'm glad that at least if he's going to go and play in a lesser league and kind of not te- test himself is the wrong word, but put himself through those, those rigors, at least he's going to get like paid for it. Like he's like, at least he's going to be in the limelight as opposed to playing for, you know, whoever and turning up to the Curry knockout every, every season. Like at least he's going to go and he's going to be somebody somewhere and we'll be able to watch. And that I think for me is, is good for him and, and good for us. And I hope, as you say, I hope he, I hope he just, I hope he turns it on and scores a thousand tries. I'd say that, uh, that, that's, that, I mean, that seems like a foregone conclusion. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And it just, people don't go to England and Super League and do well though, if they're not fully committed to being there. But so we'll see if he's fully committed. But, you know, some of the things about this, and we, we all tend to forget this with, with some footy players. And when you think about a huge conspiracy in that, like, you remember when people thought the, the players were in on the bloody storm salary cap raw thing? They're just bloody humans, all right? Like, like, English is just a guy who likes playing rugby league and happens to be really good at it. And, you know, you can go through the quotes he spoke about this, you know, and he said, people are going to bag it. They're going to come up with their own conspiracies. The people involved in my, enti- in my retirement know the real story, yada, yada, yada. Then he goes, you can speculate about how much I'm getting paid, whether by South, anyone else, but I know what's going on. That's what matters. The auditors signed off on it. The integrity uni signed off on it. There's no question marks over it. They all rung me if I wanted to do it when I did it. I signed documents and that's it. So that's it. That's your career ended last year. But the part with, which I find interesting after that, by the way, is after he finished his career, he's actually stopped drinking now and he's been diagnosed with bipolar too. And he's found that diagnosis. And that might explain why he feels like he's in a mental state to go back to the game because he's found some peace off the field and some... And, you know, I've gone through a diagnosis, and, sorry, diagnosis of a, not a mental illness, but a mental condition in my 20s. And it did change my outlook on my life. And he's gone through that. And now he feels better in a, in a space to go back to league. You know, it's not, he didn't retire because of his body. He retired because of his mind and, and the rigors of the day-to-day thing. It's that simple. And, like, there's no rort. It's a weird way to rort it, to plan it three years out to go to Warrington. Like, it's just a dude wants to play footy and he wants to go to England. It's pretty much all it is. Yeah, and I think he should go with our blessing. And I think that's, <laughs> as he said, good, good luck to him. That's it. And I can't wait. You know, it might flame out in six weeks. Who not? You know, it might it might be the best player in the league over there. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just happy that he's coming back. Like, I don't know why people want to death ride it. Like, he doesn't. Have, it's not even in the NRL. People won't even watch this from over here. If you don't like GL, you're not going to watch. No, I will. <laughs> I will too, mate. Yeah, I watch. I watch them. He's hundred. Yeah, and I hope he's 130 kilos and just smashing people. <laughs> I look, I look forward to that. To be honest, I just I look forward to imagine, imagine that like rocking up next season, and obviously like the players in the Super League will know that he's coming. But like imagine that rocking up next season. If you're some poor like 19 year old kid who got bullied because you played rugby league, and you turn up to whoever Huddersfield or whatever, you know, first game of the season next year, and you're marking Greg Inglis, who weighs 130 kilos, and you know. Four times, you know, four sequels, mass times acceleration, and he's got a lot of both of those things, and he's going to go straight through you. Um, sorry about that, but yeah, man, the, the fear in these kids' eyes is going to be something spectacular, and I look forward to it. More of it, I think. Other news. Uh, so the the Warriors have have injured their entire team. Um, yeah, that's not good. They're not going to win a game this year. Uh, yeah. 
I think you might be right. <laughs> you know, I feel for them. Um, oh, I do too. It's a very yeah. unfortunate set of circumstances, but it's, it's shitty. I can't remember a team being this up against it, and they started Owen to to go along with that. So yeah, they, they'd be you know absolutely flawed if they made the finals from here. They what's, just, I mean, what's the last team to be this up against it? Like, I don't. I know we don't want to like you know, it, yank it, the excluding chain. excluding teams that were like out of it for other reasons. So like complete and utter mismanagement. So you can't count those early two thousand South teams or those late. 2010s Knights teams. Well, that's um, what I was going to say. It's like surely yeah. it's like that, or like the 99 West teams, like that were just utter garbage. But yeah, like, probably. And South's obviously I mean, after their re-inclusion. But this yeah. is such a unique set of circumstances, though. Like I can't really remember a team in the past that's basically been told that they're going to have to uproot their entire training and playing base away from their home country to play elsewhere. Yeah, doing so without some of their players and then having a bunch of injuries as well. It seems. Like a perfect storm of shit going wrong. I mean, it really almost is unprecedented. It probably is unprecedented, actually, in yeah. terms of the amount of shit they're having to deal with. Feel bad for them. It, the um, only team, the only yeah. team I can think of that's gone through anything like this is the Sun Wolves this season, having to play all their games in Australia, and that was like their last season in existence. Is that is that an esports team? What's that? Uh, I think they play some, you know, chip, you know, whatever they pl- call that hacky sack game in Thailand. Like they're oh, some cool. Team. They're not. They're not. They're not an ultimate frisbee franchise. Oh, I mean, they could be. Rugby is effectively ultimate frisbee with tackling. So, I did actually see a Summers jersey at Mick Simmons. I was like, oh, I'd buy this ironically if it's like forty bucks. One hundred and sixty dollars. What? what are they doing? One hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. You sure it wasn't one hundred and sixty yen? Jesus uh, Christ! If only. Yeah, I obviously didn't buy it. So, um, bit of insight for me for the Warriors there. It's, um, I obviously agree with you guys. I had them as my spoon pick before this started, and they've and they've lost. You know, uh, Adam Kieran for the season, I believe. Lisa Narmel potentially for the season as well. Since and they've lost Jasper Unger to an injury. But the last two seasons, in 2018, the Warriors changed their, their travel policy. When they used to try back-to-back games in Australia, all years until 2018, they used to fly back to New Zealand between the games. Anyway, they changed that policy in 2018 and actually did quite well doing that, staying in Australia. And it was treating it more like a tour, like, you know, like going to a tour, Lions tour or similar, than, you know, then going to a game, going back to your family and coming back. So in, in 2018... They stayed in Australia. They beat in round three. They beat the Raiders, and then the next week they beat the Roosters at Allianz and back-to-back weeks, which is you know pretty good wins. Uh, then later on in the season, again when they stayed back-to-back, they played. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong stadium. Ignore that one. But they next in round seventeen they stayed back-to-back. They lost the first game to the Panthers, but in round eighteen they went up and beat the Broncos at Suncorp, bunkering down in Australia. And then round 20, they lost to the Titans, but then they won against the Dragons in 21, bunkering down. And that's just in 2018 they did that. They essentially, any time they stayed in Australia, they won the bounce-back game. And then last year, in 2019, they run back-to-back when they when they were um, here, what is it, round... Sorry, excuse me, I lost it. Yeah, they won back-to-back round 14. No, they didn't. That's great. Oh, that's it. They run, sorry, round 16, they won in the, at, against Newcastle and then they drew in round 17 against the Broncos. And then earlier in the year, they also went back-to-back and I've lost where I was trailing that, which is great. But anyway, what I'm saying, they had great success bunkering down and, and, and staying in a camp and treating their lifestyle like they will be treating it right now. But that can only work for a certain amount of time. So I have this weird, this feeling they might actually come back and play really well for a month. They'll be galvanised and be really into their footy because those guys are really focused on it right now. That's the only thing they've, they've got their purpose is, is rugby league right now. There's no family there, nothing. But that can't last for 18 weeks. 
you know, and the playing roster isn't there. So it feels like to me, they're going to start really well. And then it, just, it feels like the spoon is like inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being based, they're based in Tamworth. So mm. the, Tamworth is a lovely place if you live there, but I wouldn't go to Tamworth if I, unless I had to, you know, there's nice things there and New England is a lovely part of the world, but it's not like it's a city flush with distractions. So, I mean, the Golden Guitar is quite great, though. Um, but as I said, like, it's not like they can kind of get out of the headspace of footy. And after, as you say, six weeks, eight weeks, little things start coming out. And as you say, it's, it's, it's like a tour situation. It's like being away. It's like being on exchange. You know, you, you kind of get mm-hmm. to a point where there, there comes a break and you don't want to necessarily be doing this anymore. And whether they're going to stay over here and whether this is like, permanent for the rest of the season or whether they some of them will be allowed to go home like on a rotating thing and get their heads right I don't know but yeah it doesn't feel like it 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 doesn't feel anything but inevitable as you said which is which is sad but um yeah look so that's that's a price that some that's a price that one team has to pay and unfortunately it's the Warriors which really sucks for them but yeah I mean for them they're they're pretty much missing every front rower by Ignatius Parsi Pretty much every other front row in their squad's in, in, injured. Oh, and uh, Jermaine Tainoa Brown, who's the, the young fellow who debuted in round one. But they're pretty much all the rest of them injured. Like Bunty's out, uh, as, as already said, Lisa Armao is out. Even like Jackson Fry, who is a lower level front rower, is out injured. They've lost Nathaniel Roach, Adam Kieran, Jazz Tavanga. Like it ain't pretty. And the and Tane Milne's also out, who's another backup option. And that's before the first game, like. It's just if you and they can't get loan players currently. That's kind of a discussion point. But yeah, you feel like they're just going to get absolutely blasted once teams hit their rhythm. Now I, I know this is a revolutionary thought, but mm. could they sign Lorena Papali'i from the women's team? And just play <laughs> in the front row? Can She's anybody like see? Now, oh look, Cam <laughs> Smith's thirty-six. Just chuck her out there. What's the worst thing that can happen? She, you know, a few, a few. She could be the, the, the Greg Eastwood of, uh, of the, the Warriors uh, men's team. Chuck her out there for 20 good minutes and, and let her work. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Modern, modern problems require modern solutions. And the Cowboys, I think said Cowboys, the Warriors are going to have to come up with some modern solutions. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, mate. Well, and speaking of a non-modern solution, <laughs> our, good friends, our good friends in the media have come up with the answers. Okay. Paul Gallant. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. We have to discuss this. <laughs> it's apparently a slam dunk for anything I've read on the internet. Have apparently, you? would be a, the yeah. best signing. I know that we talk cross sports a lot on this podcast, but like a slam dunk is this would be about as effective as a slam dunk in rugby league. Uh, it's it's not part of the game. I don't want it to be. And Paul Gallen should, should. What what are we what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Can can they sign? Uh, can they sign Fletch and Hindy? Is there anyone else that they could sign? What's Gordon Tallis doing? You know, <laughs> that's it, mate. This this is the <sighs> stupidest thing I've heard in weeks, and I've heard a lot of stupid shit. So look, <laughs> I don't know if it's the dumbest thing I read today, but it is very dumb. I mean, that's a that's a, probably a fair criticism, actually. I'm maybe I am being a little hyperbolic, but you know, it's not it's not Aristotle. Put it that way. No. That's it, mate. And the other ones, like Sam Thiday said he's good for a couple of games. Like, well, really? You're not. Like, I, 
Having seen his work yeah, online over the last 18 months, I don't think he is good for any games of any sport. Have you seen his rig? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, he, used to, he used to pop up, after, just after he retired, he used to pop up in like my Instagram Discover page and he'd be doing his little home mm. workouts and everything. And slowly but surely, those home workouts have disappeared from my Instagram's Discover page. And, and seeing his rig, I can understand why, because those workouts have disappeared from everywhere. The yeah. poor guy. Yeah, that's it. And I know they're trying to discuss loan options in the NRL currently, and I know some clubs have offered players up. So we'll see what happens there. But like, the answer is not thirty-nine-year-old Paul Gallon who already went on two years too long, and then the other guys haven't played the game for two or three years who are commentating and look like they are. Not the answer. Mm. I just but... like to say I'm physically shaking my head. I know this isn't a visual medium, but let the record show. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I just like to see how it plays out. Yep. Um, other thing, obviously, we have to discuss uh, the ref situation. I know we don't really want to talk about this, and I feel like it's unseemly. Yeah. Um, so, kind of, we've been over this one a bit in the you know in the, in the last week or two about how the process, the way it's gone, the process is a, is a failure, obviously, and it's it's got to that point again now that the referees are going to arbitration, but. There's some of the stuff that's come out now. That it might be the greatest quote in rugby league history from an administrator when Peter Volandis said they're taking money from bush footy. The referees are now. <laughs> One of the great quotes. I mean, that is that is like peak um, pantomime villain. Is like they're ta- they're literally taking money from starving children who play rugby league as an escape from their hellish existence. That's how bad these referees are. They're literally stealing from starving children. Like, come on. I I know that there's I know that there's like two sides to every story, but they're taking money from like lower grade bush footy. It's just it is like sick. Sick is too far of a word, but it's it's poor poor form. Like I don't. You know, whatever your whatever your thoughts on unionization and like collective bargaining are, like this is the lowest of the low. Really, it's really terrible stuff. It is, mate. It is, and and, and I'm, I'm proud of the referees in that sense that they 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 called the bluff to prove this wasn't about money. So if you don't know what they did, we did tweet the article uh, there. You know, obviously go subscribe, <laughs> pay for it. Otherwise, but anyway. The referees did offer that they would they would take a pay cut that would save the money in their own money if they were retained two referees, and that's just as transparent as it comes when that got turned down. That obviously it was never about money being saved, and that everyone knows it. But that's it. just the proof is it wasn't about money being saved, and they offered that as a solution, and it was, and it was taken away from them. So I do feel that like we end up going ahead with one referee. I, I feel like that's inevitable either way where we get to before next weekend. But it just shows just how terrible this process has been, and you know we've got somebody in charge of the game now. It's you know it's it's not I'm not going to say dictatorship, but no effective business is run in this way when one person's decisions all come from one person. You know. Yeah, and and I know that we've gone through a lot of stuff with like labour losses during the coronavirus crisis and stuff like that. But but the thing here is is that the the referees. May I'm not saying they will, but the referees may strike, and we haven't seen anything like that in what? How long since we saw a strike in Australian sport, like a, a player or official strike in Australian sport? Like they may withdraw their labour, and that's their right. It's their right to do so. 
But as you say, there's no there's no business that runs no effective business that runs like this. Whether it's the treatment of the staff or whether or their workers in this case, or whether it's the decision making process, like it's just it's it's gone off a cliff real quick, and it's been like ten weeks, and we're at the stage where like we may not have any qualified match officials in a week. So uh, that's not great. And we all know what replacement refs look like. We've we've seen that in the the fantastic NFL replacement ref debacle with that famous um, that famous touchdown decision. Fail Mary. Fail, fail Mary. Mary. Uh, yep. So look, I hope I hope we don't have any fail Marys in the NRL. But if if it comes to that, the the NRL really only had themselves to thank for it. And and the on field product, whether it is with one replacement, like. Like call it what it is. Like if it's if it's one scab ref, or one ref who's, you know, th- there's been a decision made. I think the game will be poorer for it. Yeah, I agree, mate. And um, I do I do laugh at the people now getting furious at the workers as if they talk about the fabric of the game and they talk about this rubbish every week. The fabric's what it, people think it should be. Do you understand rugby league's fabric of the game is people at least doing this? He's <laughs> standing up for your workers' rights. It's literally where it came from. And no, the fabric of the game is the bloody six, you know, six tackle rule or something garbage that's left to new. No, standing up for their workers' rights is fabric of the game. And they're doing that and they're getting shamed. And I'm so, I'm so keen to have scab refs. It's not going to happen, but I'd love it because this is what you deserve when you disrespect the officials so much in your game and they're standing and how important they are. And also people don't seem to understand that scab refs don't mean it's just like, oh, the next guy will step up. They're all in the same bloody union. I don't even know where the next referees to come from. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, like, league has been a professional sport for so long and we, I think we kind of lose sight of, the, of what that means, what that means for a sport and what that means for it as a cultural kind of... Um, icon is the wrong word, but a, a centrepiece of culture within, within Australian society. Like, I don't want to kind of shit down rugby union's neck, but like th- the sport was, the sport was only professionalized in Australia, I think in like 1995 and players and re- players and officials were finally given what they were owed. They were paid for their labor. And, and if, if the, if the referees, offic- the referees union and the players union obviously have talked about taking a pay cut as well, this the, they're, they're obviously not exempt from this discussion, but like the, 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 the referees union has come out and said that they've they've made, looked to make concessions to keep their jobs. Like you can't you can't kind of say that you know this the the ten meter offside is the fabric of the game, or having a team in 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 the Illawarra is the fabric of the game, or having you know blokes wear no unsponsored jerseys in the sixties was the fabric of the game. Like the fabric of the game is the fact that it's. Rugby league in Australia and in the UK is a working class pursuit. Like it's been written about time and time again, and it's as Mitch says, it's about people who stood up for what they wanted, stood up for what they deserved, and were properly compensated. All the way back in eighteen ninety five, like that's where rugby league came from, and that's where Australian rugby league has come from. Not so much in nineteen oh eight, but through the years, players being paid the, what they're earned, and and if the referees choose to strike and choose to withdraw their labour, then good luck to them, and I hope they earn everything that they deserve. That's a great point. Um, I, I really just, it, it just doesn't sit well with me that we're sort of living in this world where we're trying to paint the referees here as villains, especially in a time where so many people have lost their jobs or have been stood down from their jobs. And, 
you know, they have been treated absolutely ridiculously. And the, the fact that this was sprung on them with no notice and with sort of no smoke at all before this fire broke out is is ridiculous. And I find the attempts by a lot of people in the media to try and paint them as the villains to just be repulsive. I mean, it's the media industry, you'd think of all people would understand what what this what this situation is like? Half the industry has been gutted. You think they'd sympathise with some workers hey, for Christ's you, sake? You, you don't have to tell me. Exactly yeah. right, mate. Like we all I, know, people, good people have lost their job right now, and then the referees, God forbid, they set up for their own bloody rights. I, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing. I remember seeing a tweet a while ago that was like somebody. It was like me, me who works in the media talking to my friends who have just lost their jobs, and it's that scene where what's his name's got the noose around his neck, and he says first time. Um. So like that's so like I I mean obviously Bungard you don't need to be told about this and and obviously I'm not working in the media at the moment due to stand downs but like it 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 just it it saddens me to see that they are as I said the pantomime villains in this play and and it's yeah. so it's so transparent and it's a drop in the ocean really it is I mean I mean like the, there's what like say this say this twenty refs say they're making you know three hundred grand a year what's that like six million bucks that's that's nothing. It's nothing, it's, and they've it's so weird. They've it's, offered to take a pay cut, like just yeah. You know, this is it's it's not like they're it's not like they're multi millionaire players who are on fifteen year contracts who are sucking money out of a game that can't afford to survive. I mean, like the game will go on with or without um, the the pay cut, and obviously, I hope that the NRL and and the commission kind of come to its kind of come to their senses, and this is all worked out. But like they're. If they, as I said, if you've got twenty refs on three hundred grand a year and they're offering to take a, a you know, a twenty percent pay cut, like you're saving what one point two million dollars? Yeah, it's nothing. They, it's, that's this, that's what like one what one Tamalolo a well, season. It's, it's, it's not even that because at least then that's that's clubs paying players what they're worth, and I don't think we want to get into a situation where players are being underpaid either. But it, it, they'd spend they comfortably spend more than they spend on officials on like corporate functions and things like that, and yet it's the it's things like referees and 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 minor minor expenditures like cam smith's wife getting a getting a piece of jewelry and think that this that draw the ire of the of the common fan and whether that's because it's what they think or it's what they've been told to think doesn't really matter it's it's at the end of the day it's still the spotlight is being shone on the wrong things in my opinion and this is a probably the most egregious example of that because i know it's a bit of a cliche but without referees there is no sport and we saw in the nfl just how bad it was for those three or four weeks when we did have replacement referees these guys are the best people in their field and they're and they're being paid for a reason because we need to have referees and it's an incredibly difficult job and the idea that we could just get some blokes off the street to referee the games is hilarious to me and i would love to see it happen as long as Souths weren't playing in the game in question but it's just asinine just how people just um completely dismiss how hard it is to do this job yeah and i mean and that's in all sports i mean we've seen that in yeah whether whether it's in in rugby league, like I know, or I I wouldn't say they know them, but I'm aware of the I'm aware of like the fitness requirements and the mental acuity requirements that are that are that are needed to be a professional football referee. And and these people are like they're obviously not athletes at the top of the sport, but like these are people who are full time dedicated athletes. They a lot of these people will be could be working in extremely high paid high pressure environments and they choose that high pressure and high performance environment to be rugby league or football or basketball or whatever it is yeah and for that as as you say they they should be compensated it's 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 just like like we talked about last week on the podcast about the 2002 charity shield where gus was the lino like yeah that was 20 years ago and it was a joke 
You can, yeah. you literally cannot pull somebody off the street and or or out of New South Wales Cup or out of bush footy or whatever it is. You can't yeah. just pick the best junior ref and be like, all right, mate, go out there. There's your whistle. There's your and, picture. And and it's it's worth mentioning with the Gus experiment. This is a person who's been around the rugby league for their entire life at every level, and he was still out of his depth trying to be an official. So, what yeah. chance would the common man off the street have? And I said this earlier today online, but I just feel like. Rugby league in particular has a real problem with referees. It always has. It always probably will because certain cultural aspects won't allow that to change. But this is just sort of like a hyper-aggressive example of that where, again, referees are being blamed for something that isn't their fault. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it is really a st- like it's a perfect storm of like yeah. people being paid too much, the NRL media. It, it's, a, it's a three-tiered Venn diagram. It's the, it, as I said, people are being paid too much, the NRL media sinking their teeth into something, and refs, which everybody hates. And that, hey, little, so... that little section in the middle <laughs> is this. Well, I mean, the two topics we've really talked about today, GI and the refs, how much overlap do you think there is between people who think South's rorted the cap with this and people who think the referees should all be fired? Oh, the, the Venn diagram would be a sphere, Matt. It would, honestly. like it's uh, It's just so frustrating to me that, like, it's just painfully easy for certain people and for certain organizations to plant these just absurd ideas in people's heads and they just they get they get traction every time it's it's ridiculous but i honestly hope the referees stand their ground and if that means that the footy's held up for a couple more weeks i know that would devastate us but you know so be it get 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 your money get what you're worth the game can't one of my favorite favorite things about all this by the way mate is like how we're talking about saving money nrl hq which we might lose 100 or 200 game development offices and all of a sudden two hundred thousand dollars for bush footy is is the main priority in this whole argument now but it's like bush footy is rugby league's world's greatest straw man and we all know this yeah and somehow people deem two hundred thousand dollars should go in the pockets of unnamed random bush footy investment but not in the pockets of those who control the game the officials out there they don't deserve it random club somewhere i don't know of deserves that money like the referees haven't invested their entire goddamn lives into this game like the rest of us yeah yeah well why 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 should gerard sutton be compensated for his work when the park spacemen need a new clubhouse (laughs) that's it mate (laughs) exactly it's a good point where are they going to sink piss after the game uh like (laughs) if that movie taught me anything it's that you can sink piss on a giant satellite that's it. Okay. Anyway, let, let's move on. We've actually gone way longer in news than usual, but I, I've decided to bring back. It was more of a surprise segment for the the other two lads because I so I couldn't um let them prepare for it. But bringing back the old school classic we played about three years ago, we're doing uh Gould or Trump, which is everyone's favorite uh game show, our only game show. This is, this is my, <laughs> favorite, my favorite drinking game, may I just say. It is. It essentially, it is guessing if the quote that I read out comes from either Gus Gould or President Donald Trump. Uh, there's 11 questions, so we can't have a, a tie. We're going to just go alternate from Dale to Bungard and back and essentially come up with a winner. Just, you know, Gould or Trump, and if you get it right, you get a point. If you don't, well, no, the other guy gets the point, I guess, yeah. or you just get the point. Actually, just points for right question answers. That's it. That's easy. Yep. That's work. S- simplify, yes. Simplify it. Okay. So are you two ready? We'll just go straight into it. But are yep. you two ready? Hit me. Okay. I'm going to go Bungard first. Oh, fine. Why not? We'll open him up with him. All right. Okay. Here's the first quote. If you change a rule, you need to consider the knock-on effect. It changes a lot. Not just the behavior you're trying to control or eradicate. If you change a rule, you need to consider all things it affects. Sometimes the cure causes more problems than the disease. 
Uh, I, I was on the fence until the end, but I think it's Trump. Oh, it's Gould. What? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Gould until the cure bit at the end. Yeah, I thought uh, that was great. <laughs> Gould, so... Uh, I've always, I've always said that about cures, is that they kill people. That's what they're well known for. It's a strong start. <laughs> strong start. Well, that's the thing. You see, they've both gone so far off the edge. This is going to be harder than a few years ago. We did it a few years ago. I mainly used, like, Gould war quotes that came from his origin soliloquies. But he just compared rugby league rule changes to diseases. So yeah. I'd say that the six, the six, the new six again rule is the Zika virus. If, if... What rule was he referring to in that quote? Uh, he's talking about the. Um, I think it's the six again rule. Okay. Damn it. Advantage okay. Roots. Okay. Here we go. So Roots is on serve now. Yeah. So it's a penalty uh, shootout, and I missed. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Here we go. This is the shorter one. I'm sorry. This is not the complaints department. Please check the number and dial again. That has to be Trump. Oh, from two. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you see how that feels gone again. He uh, is. They are both cooked units. I would have said Gould for that one purely because that sounds like something Gus would tweet in response to someone, whereas Trump wouldn't tweet a resp- Trump doesn't tweet responses from randoms. He'd have to, he would have to have said that in a press conference, and that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, he did uh, quote tweet that. That was yep. a Gould quote tweet. Yeah, damn it. Wish you'd let Dale go first. Fuck. <laughs> okay, here we go. He goes. Vanguard's up now. Pressure's back on him. Yeah. I hate to lose. If anybody gets used to losing, they're going to be a loser. I like to tell you losing is part of the game, and it is, but I hated it. I still hate to lose, and that will never change. Trump. Got it. Good. Run up. Run up for Bungus. Well done. <laughs> um, I think that one's kind of almost famous from him, but you know, I didn't know if the throwback would get you might be, might I be just cool. Tr- when, while you're saying these, I start immediately replaying them in his voice and I see if they make sense. Yeah, that's that actually one, <laughs> That one made perfect sense. I hate to lose. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Next one for, this one's for Dale. Mm. The referees get on television. His wife is sitting at home and they're so proud of him. They're ruining the game. Oh, that's Trump. It is Trump. Well done. <laughs> That's that was, um, him talking that was, NFL referees. Yeah, that was about the NFL refs. I, oh, I, that's, that's yeah. good from you. Yeah, I, that is very good from you because uh, I did cut out the part before that is that he says they throw a flag. Obviously, it couldn't be in there, but he talks about a collision between two men. Yeah. It was a collision, a strong, hard collision, and the refs get on television and his wife's so proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a good one. So one all after four. Okay, here we go. Right from the outset, during this difficult period, I've used the phrase that it's no good crying over spilt milk. There has been no I told you so. It is what it is. We need to deal with it. Panicking and pointing the finger of blame at past regimes or individuals wasn't going to help. The time for a review can come later. Hmm. Trump loves pointing the finger at past regimes, so I'm going to say Gould. Three in a row. Oh, well done. <laughs> And that's the giveaway, isn't it? It's the finger pointing because Trump would have 100% blamed somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, that's Philip uh, Gould uh, hailing the current NRL administration. And, you know, no use crying about the old ones either, though. Okay. Next one for back over to Dale Roots. You cannot be successful without passion. 
if you don't love what you're doing, if you don't have passion for it, forget it. Do something else. You'll be much more successful and you'll lead a lot happier life. I think that's I think that's Trump again. That is Trump again. Yeah. Four in a row. I feel like because <laughs> he's like he's all about you've kind of got to like you've got to be doing something that you want and you've got to have drive, even though like he's kind of been given everything in his life. But like he, you've got to you've got to <laughs> got to want to do what you want to do as opposed to just being you know forced into it, which doesn't make any sense considering. Exactly. Okay, next one is for Bungard. He says, I blame the system and the oversensitivity of media and the social media criticism. Hmm. Say that again, sorry. I blame the system and the oversensitivity to the media and the social media criticism. Oh, this one's hard. Um, I just, I just, I think, I just think the double down on media and so I think, it has, I think it's Trump. Ah! Oh, <laughs> it is very Trumpian to say the media and media in the same sentence. So that is, I do let you, let you that one, you know, let that one slip. That's fine. But it was Gus Gould referring to why the referees suck. It's everyone's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's it. Okay. Next one for Dale. He's a very good guy. I know him, and he's a very, very good guy. So I have to go with the person I know and I like. I like the other team. I think the other team looks fantastic. Probably they would be favoured by something. That's got to be Trump. Yeah. yeah that one's too easy. That I'm makes sorry. no sense at think... all. That whole sentence makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about picking um, the Denver Broncos to beat the Panthers, Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl, and that's it. Apparently, just saying I like this guy and I know him, and I like the other the team. Anyway, I they're going to win. Talking, I, I assumed he was talking about Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> safe assumption. <laughs> Do I need this to stay alive? Who's a QB? Who's a QB in that Broncos team? Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. So of course oh, he's not going to. Yeah. Oh, Newton. I wonder why. <laughs> So Bung, Bungus does need this one to stay alive. Oh. So uh, what is it? Three two after four each. Yes, it is three two yeah, after four okay. each. I know people that can't win. I know that people are very talented, but they never win. Gus. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that was- I'll take the Bickies home. That's uh, that was that was Trump. Ah, free Bickies. <laughs> I'll give you guys the last two without guessing them. The last two I have here. Um, actually, no. Dar has to convert to win, doesn't he? What am I saying? Oh, oh. No, no, because we only had the eleventh one as a tiebreaker, so he's won. Yeah, true, very true. That's it. So the other ones I had saved, and the, the one of them was, I actually realized probably too easy. The next one was. Don't be worrying about trolls on social media. Don't give them a second of your thoughts. Block them. You don't need them. Stay safe and stay healthy. Well, that's clearly that was, Gus. That's Gus. That was Gus, obviously. And this one was obvious. Trump's was legally really... not allowed to block people. <laughs> and here comes the... Um, really, he's not. It's in the no, Constitution. Someone, there was, this yeah, was a court case. Amendment. They ruled that because it's, in a, it's an official uh, communica- uh, communication channel from the government, it has to be available to all citizens. So, yeah. God, yeah. I feel sorry for your social media team almost. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, and the last one here was, this is an obvious one, but it says game ratings are way down over an already bad last year comparison. Viewership declined 30%, the lowest in over a decade. So it sounds like it could be Gould here, but the next go, it goes on to, if the players stood proudly for our flag and anthem <laughs> and it's all shown on board, maybe the ratings could come oh, back. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, that could be Gus. Like, that could be... It could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good stuff. But it's... It's getting very difficult, isn't it? That's that's good. That's that's getting very hard. That real Donald Gould should come back. That Twitter account. Yeah, whoever, yeah, whoever runs, runs that, that. Whoever runs yeah. that. Get get back on. Get back on the horse or whatever. Ag- it is. Agree. That you work on. It's got so many legs that I can always make that into a weekly segment. Though I always just pull them out. <laughs> please, <laughs> like everywhere don't. now. For everybody's mental health, please don't feel the need. <laughs> No, no, it had to be like spring it on your ones because it's like once if we start talking about it too much, it just gets it gets too easy. You've got to be yeah. sprung into the Gould and Trumpisms. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do, do you want to do a, a short story time then before we wrap up? Yeah. yeah. Why not? I'll, I'll go first. Uh, well, you. Well, Mitch, you you held out last week. Actually, so why don't yeah, you go? Mitch. Mitch is. I'm, act, I'm actually. I'm actually thinking of holding out again okay. <laughs> because I've just done that segment there, and now thinking this is still really long. I reckon yeah. I might hold out again. Fair enough. Let you two go. What do you reckon? We'll oh, see how long. Yeah, I mean, if it if it is that long, then yeah, that's fine. You guys have two quality ones that that I know of already, so I reckon we we fire off the one of you two blokes. Yeah, All right. jump in, Dale. All right. The year is nineteen ninety one. The city what? is Townsville, Queensland. Despite okay. being home to a rugby league competition stretching back into the nineteen tens, and having been the home for a number of first grade and representative players, North Queensland is still without a national level rugby league team to call its own. Keen to attract a rugby league club to the city, Queensland Sports Minister Bob Gibbs offers the potential club the Willows Paceway site as a home ground, entrusting the redevelopment to a number of local property developers, including Lawrence, Lawrence Lancini, should the city be chosen for a first grade team. Those wishes were granted, and in November of 1992, North Queensland was selected as one of four expansion teams that would join the ARL in 1995, along with the Western Reds from Perth, the Auckland Warriors, and a second team in Brisbane to be known as South Queensland. Work on the conversion of Willow's Paceway would begin, uh, sorry, to what into what would become Willow Sports Complex started in March 1994, complete with Minister Gibbs turning the first sod of soil, and by June of that year, the $3.5 million project was well on its way to being completed. Flash forward to 2003, and Townsville is now home to a professional rugby league team, albeit a pretty poor one. Despite home attendances tracking well with other clubs, the Cowboys are perennial underperformers. In their first eight seasons across the ARL, Super League and NRL, the club is yet to make the finals, never having finished better than 10th on the ladder, despite there being only 10 teams in the Super League. Having bought the club just two years earlier, News Corp was looking to sell its ownership share in the Cowboys. Lawrence Lancini joined the board of the club as chairman and went to work improving the club's off-field performance. It was hemorrhaging money, losing more around $2 million in 2004, but with Lancini and a new board, uh, sorry, a new direction at board level, things started to turn around. The club made its first finals appearance in 2005, eventually losing the grand final to the West Tigers and turning a small profit in 2006. Four years later, News Limited sold the club to the Cowboys Leagues Club. This was in 2007. Despite it being rumoured at the time, the team would be underwritten by the local councils of Townsville City and Thuringua, 
a move that would have been unprecedented in Australian sport. Skip forward another fifth, sorry, skip forward another eight years to 2015, and the Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NRL. With a rep-heavy roster, the club go on an, uh, go on an incredible 11-game winning streak, moving from last place in round three to equal first in round 15, eventually finishing the season in third. However, in July of 2015, one of the most respected investigative journalists in the country, Kate McClymon, published a number of articles outlining how several Cowboys players have purchased land or property from Chairman Lawrence Lansini, calling into question the legitimacy of the Cowboys' salary cap and third-party arrangements, potentially echoing those arrangements used by the Storm in the mid to late 2000s. McClymont detailed, however, the space of almost a decade, club captains Matt Scott and Jonathan Thurston, New South Wales prop James Taumau, Michael Morgan, Kane Lynette, Antonio Winnerstein, Matt Bowen and Luke O'Donnell had all purchased either land or houses in the new de- newly developed suburb of Bowler Plains in Townsville's West. While it, is un- well, sorry, while it isn't unusual for footy players to congregate their property around one particular area, think of the eastern suburbs in Sydney, the issue stemmed from whether Lancini had sold the land or property at a reduced rate and whether the purchases were allowed within the salary cap. What made the purchases even more problematic was McClymont's discovery that all houses were being built by former Cowboys player and member of the Stockman business group, Martin Locke, stretching all the way back to Thurston's original purchase back in 2007. Under this NRL salary cap guidelines, a club can provide investment advice, McClymont wrote, during, t- during talks with a player, but they are unable to offer discounts that would set- because those discounts <clears throat> on investments would circumvent the salary cap. Uh, there's, there's quotes here. So uh, Tamalolo, uh, when Tamalolo signed for the Cowboys, uh, so, so signed his uh, long contract extension, he bought, a vlo- he bought a block of land in South Vicar Street in Condon from a comp- company which the directors are Mr. Lansini and another Cowboys member, Steve Timmis. Mr. Locke had recently poured the slab at Tamalolo's new residence. Tamalolo's manager, Chris Orr, came outside came out and said the contract, the contract had nothing to do with the, pro- the purchase of the property. His sporting con- contract is completely transparent and inside the NRL guidelines. There's a number of examples here. As I said, Thurston purchased the property uh, from Lansini in 2007 for $129,000. Uh, Thurston then paid $800,000 for an apartment in Mitchell Street in North Ward. Lansini again was the vendor. Uh, also, Willie Tonga, when he was play- when he was playing there, uh, he bought a another apartment in the same building for seven hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. So there's there's hundreds of thousands of dollars being being paid uh, either to, either directly to uh, or or through these these middlemen or these you know property investors. Um, and basically, obviously, the cl- the club kind of they came out later and said that the the club had never signed any players or conducted any business outside the salary cap guidelines, and the purchases would be eventually cleared by the integrity unit. But as I said, there were questions as to whether it was n- not necessarily morally right, but a, a, not a conflict of interest for Lancini to be conducting these purchases and acting as the middlemen for these people, considering that they were effectively his employees and it could be seen as, as I said, a conflict of interest. 
and in the days following, the integrity unit would come out and say that the purchases were eventually cleared. Uh, former Roosters board member Bernie Gurr said that uh, all salaries and third-party agreements should be published to increase transparency of the salary cap. The Cowboys would go on to win the Premiership that year, as we all know, in 2015, with several of Lancini's clients playing in the decider at year's end. And that is the story of the Cowboys buying their houses from their chairman, allegedly. Well, not allegedly. Yeah, it's weird that when that happened, it was like a big deal, and then they won, and winning fixes everything. So it just went away. And you were kind of like, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's fine. They're allowed to do that. It's kind of the benefit of like living so far away from everyone else up there. Yeah, it's I like, know. It's like, sweet. Do whatever but it's you want. also like, remember when, remember when it happened in Melbourne and Melbourne were like a pariah in the sporting world. Like I remember seeing vision of Melbourne fans, like having bin bags full of their jerseys and yeah. like dropping them off at training and Cowboys fans would have just been like, yeah, but like we won the premiership. So it's fine. Eh? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, if this has been a Sydney club, it would have been a much bigger scandal, which I guess is like, I guess it's a oh, double edged sword yeah. in that you, in that players at these teams, such as Jason Tamalolo, don't get the credit they deserve, but at the same time, you can get away with more dubious shit like this. <laughs> I mean, the great Tamalolo did get caught egging houses and nobody cared, and I loved it, actually. Egging houses was a great 16-year-old tradition. That's fine. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> when we were 16, we built, um, we went to, like, Clark Rubber and bought, like, a rubber, like, a piece of rubber tubing and got a funnel and then, like, wrapped a shitload of duct tape around the funnel and made this, like, slingshot that would launch eggs, like, 80 meters. It was awesome. No part of this. That is sensational. No part of that surprises me. Yeah, well, mate, the main streets of Southwest Sydney. You gotta I was going to say, I'm surprised it was only eggs and not like Tom hey. Palms. Hey, hey, I'm allowed hey, to I, make those I, Hey, I grew, I grew up in Canberra. We shot fireworks at anything that wouldn't move away. Aren't they legal there? So it's not as fun. Oh, uh, they're not anymore. But, you know, we did used to shoot fireworks at each other in the backyard on the June long weekend. But we also <laughs> were idiots. Good, clean fun. Um, I, I have a story and it's, uh, one that I guess, um, ties into the theme of today's show, given what we found out about Greg Inglis, um, over the last couple of days. And that is, of course, uh, the, uh, long and twisted tale of Greg Inglis's trip from Melbourne to Brisbane to Souths. Um, a, a transaction and a lack of transaction that would, I guess, shape the fortunes of two of rugby league's most storied franchises for the next decade to come. So, I mean, we all know about the famous planes weren't flying because it's raining line, but um, it goes a little bit deeper than that. So, of course, in the middle of 2010, um, Melbourne had just been caught for their, uh, I guess, systematic cheating over a number of years, to um, <laughs> to to put it lightly. And uh, Greg Inglis was one high-profile Don't player. That's too which... far, right? Don't think that's too far. No, probably not. But anyway, Greg Inglis was a prime candidate to be moved on purely because he was worth so much money. He was in high demand. And I guess they made the decision that um, of the four of them, he was the one that they, uh, who who was both the keenest to leave and the one that they could uh, expend the most. I don't know. It seemed to work out well for all parties involved. So it seemed like a good decision. Anyway, Brisbane Broncos chief Bruno Cullen was to stand down when his contract expired at the end of the year. And this was to be his triumphant send-off uh, to the club, bringing Greg Inglis in, um, one of Queensland's favourite sons. Talks bubbled on through July. People like Steve Renoff and Sam Thiday, among others, reached out to Inglis to entice him to the Broncos. Um, the Titans were a late contender to sign him, but they were never seriously in the hunt. Um, 
yeah, so it was basically agreed upon. I mean, apart from like a little bit at the start of August, where suddenly there was talk that Inglis would go nowhere. But after weeks of the storm working to get uh, under the salary cap, it was it suddenly suggested that they would rather keep him than subsidize his salary at another club. Um, Brisbane were publicly declaring that they would not budge from their original offer of around four hundred thousand dollars, and the Storm were unwilling to entertain the prospect of using more than two hundred thousand dollars of their own cap to have Inglis lining up at a rival club however after some discussions the deal was arrived with brisbane kicking in a little bit more and melbourne kicking in a little bit less uh but then came the issue of inglis's six-figure legal bill for defending himself against the charge uh that he assaulted his former partner sally robinson um the, the charges were later thrown out of course but the storm's refusal to release inglis to brisbane whilst the fees would be included in their cap um what was really one of the things that really prevented this deal from getting over the line. Brisbane wanted no part of absorbing this deal into their salary cap. And of course the storm didn't really want it either. Um, there may have been, refer- there were further reviews by salary cap auditor Ian Schubert of Inglis's other third party deals with Brisbane um, leading to them being uh, ruled as part of the salary cap. So um, basically they determined that Inglis had these deals with a couple of other places, but that um, they would have to be under the salary cap. So a little bit more maneuvering was done. And despite, again, the Titans uh, having some potential third-party agreements lined up with Inglis, um, they were ruled out. And basically, Inglis had committed to Brisbane. Uh, just a, a, in the second week of August, it was basically done. News sources around the country were reporting it was a done deal at Red Hill. And uh, bookies quickly made Brisbane the favorites for the 2011 title. How were you feeling at that point, Mitch, when, when that first happened? I mean, growing up, the Broncos weren't much of a signings club, you know? Like, I mean, Super League era was a bit different and I was very young, so I didn't even understand, you know, signing Mundine or similar when I was seven. So this is comfortably the the biggest signing of, of my lifetime at the po- at that point in time. It was the biggest signing for my club in my lifetime and, and I was not a believer in Josh Hoffman. I was a GI fan, obviously. I supported Queensland and Origin. Uh, I was absolutely stoked. It couldn't have been happier. It was like, this is, we're getting, you know, potentially the best player in the game or on his day, best player in the game. A guy, a guy I thought who was a better, better fullback than Billy Slater at the time. He, he'd, he'd actually played really well when he filled in for Billy at fullback. There's some games in, in 2006, for example, he played fullback. And in a period of, what is it? It's about uh, seven weeks. In seven weeks, GI scored, what, nine tries. He had... 14 line breaks. He had 59 tackle breaks in seven games and a total of uh, 1,500 running meters. And that was like, because you didn't get many chances to play fullback. But, and they won all of those games, by the way. But he only got a few chances to fill in when Billy was out. So I knew even then, I was like, this guy is going to be the best one of, you know, best or second best fullback in the world. Couldn't have been happier. So according to Bruno Cullen, um, Inglis had previously rejected an offer in um, late June or early July, but since then, another $150,000 had come with the NRL's marquee player allowance doubling from 150k to 300k, um, with Brisbane not spending all of its original allowance. Um, The salary cap itself also went up by $100,000, and Cullen said that another $100,000 was freed up by long-serving player announcers, totaling extra funds of $350,000, plus also releasing Israel Folau, Antonio Winnerstein, Ashton Sims, Lagi Sedu, and Steve Michaels. Um, People, predictably, were outraged. We got a few of those great stories where um, columnists tried to guess how much players were on and how they possibly couldn't couldn't possibly be under the salary cap and all that stuff. Um, The final roadblock was over that legal bill, uh, and Ian Schubert ruled it had to be uh, included in the salary cap, but uh, the Storm had given 
uh, Brisbane uh, giving English permission to train with Brisbane before the deal was made official. So it seemed like everything was going to be fine. Souths had never really been in the hunt. Um, it's worth mentioning that back in July, Shane Richardson said, we made no approach to Greg Inglis or his management and we've no plans to make any approach. We would have no room under the salary cap to allow us to even think about it. But then uh, for similar reasons to the ones above with Brisbane, um, Souths also suddenly had some extra room. The cap went up and they also lost Colin Best who rejected a one-year offer to go and sign uh, for two years at Cronulla. And on top of that, Souths got another $150,000 out of... Uh, a, the collective bargaining agreement. So suddenly they were in the hunt. But the main issue, of course, was that, you know, it had now been weeks and months since Inglis had agreed to sign with Brisbane. But suddenly there were rumblings that perhaps this deal wasn't as much of a done deal as people thought. Um, both Bruno Cullen and uh, Andrew G, the football operations chief, had heard these rumours and um, they were starting to get worried. Um, despite this, Greg Inglis gave them two separate verbal assurances in, just <laughs> in the space of a couple of days. Uh, saying that his aim was to play for the Broncos. Um, despite this uh, meeting ending with a firm handshake from Inglis, who said he was rock solid and going nowhere, he left. He went to visit um, family in Sydney and was suddenly ducking calls from the Broncos. Um, they would never see him again in that in that capacity. That is, I mean, they saw him at Suncorp plenty of times, but not wearing a Broncos jersey. Um, Souths co-owner Russell Crowe and boxer Anthony Mundine emerged as key figures attempting to lure Inglis to Redfern. Uh, Mundine had been announced as the club's Indigenous liaison officer a couple of years earlier and reportedly offered a chunk of that uh, legal bill, which was at the centre of the dispute. Um, weirdly, Twiggy Forrest was also in South's corner, offering uh, Inglis more than $100,000 a year to act for as an ambassador for Generation One, his public awareness campaign designed to encourage employers across the country to offer jobs to Indigenous people. So suddenly Souths were in the hunt and with Inglis going cold on the Broncos, basically what happened was a few weeks later, we had uh, Russell Crowe on the Jay Leno show. I think it was Jay Leno uh, just saying, basically, we've just signed LeBron James. And that was it. Suddenly, Greg Inglis was a rabbit And um, on Christmas Day, the deal was finally made official with Bo Champion um, heading towards the Storm. Of course, the Storm started to agree to release Inglis for any of this to work, which they did. Uh, I remember probably my worst rugby league take of all time was at this on that day when I was like, why do we why do we need Greg Inglis when we have Bo Champion? What a terrible idea. That that has to be up there with the coldest NRL takes. Well, hey, at least I can own it. Yeah, um, but yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yes, apparently South's three-year, $1.8 million deal dwarfed the two-year offer from Brisbane. And it was just suddenly a disaster. You know, in close succession, Brisbane had now lost Carmichael Hunt, Israel Folau, and I guess they never really had him, but Inglis as well. Um, it wasn't over yet, though. The whole thing was an absolute mess. Uh, in December, Schubert was demanding uh, Inglis's two player managers. So his main manager, Alan Golney, was on leave and Wayne Beavis was acting on his behalf, uh, demanding of both these managers to hand over any files pertaining to third-party deals arranged for Inglis in an attempt to establish a timeline between offers from the Broncos and the Rabbitohs with sponsorship agreements. Um, the NRL revealed that it had actually rejected two third-party deals the Broncos had hoped to register for Inglis outside the salary cap. One was a deal with Channel 9, believed to be about $50,000 a year, and another was an ambassador with the Queensland former Origin Greats, where Inglis would act as an ambassador, um, travelling to Aboriginal communities and uh, being paid monies uh, provided by the federal government to promote Indigenous employment, which just, I mean, if that came out today, can you imagine the furor? Like, can you imagine? Like, the 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 average fan would be flipping their absolute lid if, if something like that, especially involving the Broncos, were to come out uh, today. But yeah, um, in the end, uh, 
Inglis was a Rabbitoh and he would stay, of course, until 2019, uh, winning a premiership and being one of the best players in the competition for most of that time. Um, one funny aside from all of this, um, there's a column item in a Telegraph piece after he signed for Souths saying that he'd given permission for that paper to come to his wedding and cover it. So um, Buzz Rothfield turned up to a Sunshine Coast resort only to be told when he arrived that by hotel management that Inglis had changed his mind and demanded that there be no media. <laughs> so another hilarious backflip from Inglis. Um, <laughs> just a lovely little cherry on top. Um, but obviously it was just such a bizarre saga and just such a weird, weird thing to have happened. And obviously something that really, I mean, if it doesn't happen, South probably don't win a premiership and I'm still probably sitting here wondering what's it going to take for us to win a trophy. Yeah, well, this this is the period for the Broncos, and I used to I hated GI for a few years after this because I blamed GI for how how this this all went down and how he seemingly in my head strung the Broncos along. But as time has gone on, I realised this was just an utter bottle job by the Brisbane administration at the time. And you know, years later, you'll hear many of the guys that left that like Carl Hunt left at that point too. Is how different it immediately felt when Ivan Hanjack was in charge and Wayne Bennett wasn't, and you didn't feel like you were wanted. And some of the things that came out later through this, from what J.I. was saying is um, J.I.'s manager once said that Ivan Hanjack didn't even like contact J.I. once, didn't get any of the meetings up there, didn't seemingly give a shit about him. That was one of them. Number two is like when he first went to the airport there for that meeting is that apparently they didn't organise a hired car for him and there was no one waiting for him at the airport. And it sounds like a dumb thing, mate, but if you're signing a superstar, you roll out the superstar. Out every top, yeah, 100%. That's it. And you compare that, and it was just arrogance from Brisbane. And also the other part is that they just, they let it drag on so long. As you know, he still never bloody signed a contract. And instead of signing a deal, they took a handshake. Like, what year is it? Yeah. They gave him no confidence for me. You've got to get something in writing. Like, 100%. Yeah, if, if Wayne Bennett's in charge of Brisbane when all this happens, there's no chance this, 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 there's no chance any of this happened. Yeah. That's it. And he was actually really close friends with Justin Hodges at this point because Hodges and him played an origin together. And Hodges was like in his ear, got him up there. But um, essentially, it was a lot of it was like that they didn't treat him like a superstar. They just treat him like another player. And it's like, of course, like, you know, you're a GI. These guys get wined and dined everywhere. And you compare that to what South would have done for him instantly. I mean, we all know South have had players meet Russell Crowe or they've sent players around. You know, Sam Burgess went and pitched to Payne Haas when he was younger, when he was a 16-year-old. Like, South have known how to roll the stops, the stops out. Brisbane were just like, oh, gee, I'd be lucky to play for us, and here's the contract offer. Yeah, and as you say, like the whole Russell Crowe <laughs> thing is, like, I, I know that it sounds silly, but having somebody like that at the club for Souths is somebody who would know what it takes to, not necessarily just with athletes, but, you know, he's worked in the media and he's worked at, you know, it, he's he's directed films and he's produced films and he's been on the other end of this as a as a quality actor he knows what it takes to get people across the line that you do these little things these little extras to get people interested in 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 what you're trying to sell them and if brisbane as you say if brisbane are kind of coming out and being like oh he should be happy to play for us he should be lucky to pay play for us like they just got ahead of themselves and i I cannot believe the part of the story where they did not get anything in writing like that is just you know that is seriously like 101 contract negotiations you get something written down whether it's that you will agree to continue talks or whether it's whatever it is you get something you get an assurance you it staggers me that they didn't get anything written down or they didn't get anything signed they just just took him at his word and 
they thought it was all sweet, and obviously it wasn't. And they're, I mean, they still, they, the Brisbane may still be waiting for him at the airport, you know. Yeah, and and you know the the famous quotes that Bunga touched on earlier. The first one is uh, Bruno Cullen gave this news to to Andrew, sorry Andrew G gave it to Bruno Cullen, and as you said, there was that flight to Brisbane, and he went back to Sydney, and he was supposed to come back to Brisbane for November one mm. for the start of you know the official NRL season. And G called Bruno Cullen and said, "I think we might have a problem. Greg's just rung me. He says he's not coming back because it's raining in Sydney and the planes aren't flying." <laughs> It's just iconic stuff. Uh, it is. That is like one of and the all-time rugby league lines. Like it, it. That's one of those like if you know, you know. Like yep. the planes aren't flying because it's raining. It's just it's that's a peach. It is a peach. Yeah, and then the other parts of the recruitment. Firstly, obviously, Bungard mentioned Mundane's thing, and, and Mundane, and this is Souths are good at this. And, and Mundane did say to English, he's doing nothing for your for our people. And if you want to make a difference, you go to South. And South have been very good at Indigenous representation. And there's a reason why guys like Luttrell and James Roberts end up there like, as they did. But there was also the other, other part of this was, and this came out years later too, is that Gordon Tallis was working for South as a forwards coach, I think at the time or similar, yep. called GI. And that was like, that was one of the big things too, telling him the truth of what he thought about Brisbane at that point. And we know that Brock Tallis had a bad relationship with Brisbane after he left. And it said, "Come if you want to win a premiership, you go to Souths. There's a better football point of view there. This club is going places. The other one is standing still. This is the right club for you." He said, "He said to GI, you know, and that those are the few things that just swung that. But none of that shit can happen if the Brisbane Brisbane do the right thing and get a contract signed. Yeah, none of it can happen. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it worked. Like Souths were the third most successful team in the in the in the in the decade that Inglis was there behind the Roosters and the Storm. Um." So, yeah, I think you can definitely say that that decision was well and truly vindicated. Yeah, and I think Broncos won more games like they, on, over that period than South did, but obviously South had the better joy of winning the games that mattered. Mm. But that's it. That you have a green list and you did win the games really? that matter. That's surprising. Yeah, we, I, I think South we're like second. Like, South made like seven prelims that decade. Yeah, I think we're like second or third over the last decade's ladder because like Bruce has had a really bad year as well. Because uh, the Broncos always make the finals and you guys yeah, have missed yeah, it as well. Yeah. But, but anyway, like GI is those are the players that you get to go that next level, not to get knocked out first week of the finals, yeah. like we kept doing. And uh, it's just a massive bottle job by them. And I regret it as I got older, when I've got more of the story and I, you know, have better understanding of sports than just my emotions. I regret having years of hating GI because of that. It's because and, it really isn't him. It's a very unique dynamic in rugby league, which doesn't really exist in any other sport. In that most Broncos fans hated this guy, but every Broncos fan is also a Maroons fan, so they had to turn around and cheer for this guy three games a year. It's just such a really yeah. weird situation, which you can't really get in any other sport. I guess, I guess the, I guess it would be like, I don't know, they were like Manchester United fans having to cheer for Steven Gerrard when he played for England, but even then, like, I just. It's not the same level of vitriol that State of Origin gets and no. that Broncos fans felt for England. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And again, the Broncos feel like the Queensland team <laughs> as well, you know? So that, that that was interesting with all that. But yeah, that's a good time for that story to come up and revisit that. But it, it definitely did shape the early part of that decade of rugby league because, as you know, Souths were that flip, the in and out of the finals team when he got there. Or out. Chasing finals, sorry. And <laughs> Mitchell, one finals appearance in 30 yeah. minutes before he got there. <laughs> yeah, but they were like ninth or what was it, two years? They were ninth or yeah, tenth they, they, um, they, they choked really badly in two years in a row. So in 
Oh, in 09, I think it was 09, me and Harry Ramage went up to Newcastle for the round 26 game where the winner would make the finals and the loser would be out. South's got 50 put on them. And then the following year, South just needed to beat the Dragons reserve grade team in the last week of the season to make the finals and they got smashed again. So, yeah. yeah. And then and then in EGI's first year there, I think you had to win your last two and you maybe, lost your last Maybe that was 2011, actually, the Dragons game that, that were... Yeah, the, uh, I 2011 was Newcastle. Two years in a row, it was two years in a row where they choked against Souths, uh, when they choked against the Dragons and the Knights in round 26 games. But then after that, of course, um, they had a pretty successful period from 2012 to 2014. That's it. Madge was there and they went prelim, prelim, premiers, qualifying finals in those four years there. They moved J.I. where he belonged at fullback. For some reason, John Lang didn't do that. And then it went from there, strength to strength. Yeah, sorry. 2010 was the Dragons choke. 2011 was the the Knights choke. So that game that me and Harry went up to. That's it. Yeah. Fun fact, didn't didn't lose to Newcastle for eight years after that game. <laughs> Did many people. <laughs> well, I guess not. And then the other... The Tigers. That, that, just that, me saying that has jotted my memory as well. It's like, it's it's one thing that Inglis sort of betrayed the Broncos, but the other thing is that he just fucking dominated them for the next decade as well. Yeah, that was really fun for us. It's like we... um. We beat this storm in the 2006 grand final, and now they beat us like the ugly stepchild. Yeah. Ever since. It's like, okay, we guess we don't get to beat you in a game ever. That's, that was the deal we made with the devil. We win this one game, and you beat us for the rest of time. Yeah. That seems to have worked out well for Melbourne. <laughs> it has. It has indeed. Uh, anyway, I think we should probably wrap it up and move on to our question time podcast. You'll get in a few days. Before we wrap it up, though, I do want to shout out the guys over on Patreon. Uh, firstly, there was a Patreon podcast that came out on Sunday, which is a fantastic pod. Uh, but I'll shout out to the guys who pay for the privilege, our Boom Rookie and Above Tiered patrons. So it's Alex Sergikomi, Chris Avnell, Dan Cullinane, Dave D. Fisher, Jace Galvin, Jason, Carlo Tyson, Matty McP, Roxanne Clark, Simo Ali, Ty, Tom Hardy, Warwick Ahern, Wayne Ritchie, and Scott Finlayson. Oh, sorry, Bert Andrews too. My Sorry, Bert, almost forgot you there, but... Uh, Shout out to those guys over on Patreon. And yeah, if you want to get a bonus podcast this week, go to Patreon, you'll get that. And from next week, you'll be getting some Zoom kind of podcast things on Patreon. So you might get to watch me on a Broncos game say the C word way too much at guys who don't deserve it. <laughs> I, look for, I look forward to the Zooms. The Zoomies are going to be good fun. Yeah. Might have to figure out how we're going to do uh, premium zooms. It's the uh, <laughs> although 40, premium zoom. 40, 40 minutes is good. Like ah, oh, it's it's just kind of it's, it's we're going to have to figure something out, but we'll get there. So we'll do we'll do we'll, if we can censor a zoom. The two dollar tier people don't get to hear me swear. You have to watch Mitch. You can't listen to him. That's, <laughs> That's it. We'll, we'll go up from there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that sounds fun. And barring any disasters um yeah hopefully we will be able to be watching rugby league together in a, in, a, in just a few days time it, it's so close now so damn close <laughs> it all is. right say goodbye mitchell goodbye mitchell say goodbye Dal. goodbye join your union <laughs> and it's goodbye from me